Over 20 years ago, I was injured on the job, which left me with a severe permanent disability. It forced me to discover my true passion and purpose. It wasn't until I started my direct sales business and later became one of the company's gratitude ambassadors that I realized I am a giver, a humanitarian, a cheerleader, and have a deep desire to inspire others. I had no idea it was possible to have a bigger impact until I launched my podcast to inspire others to live their passion, reclaim their purpose, and be open to so many possibilities. I am your host, Candace Snyder, and this is the Passion, Purpose, and Possibilities Podcast. Welcome to the Passion, Purpose, and Possibilities podcast. Today, I'd like to welcome back our guest, Lauren Huffmaster. Lauren has been living with a terminal diagnosis of metastatic breast cancer. However, she's taken this diagnosis and turned it into her purpose, helping women and their families to live life to the fullest, savor the moments, and live in joy and hope. Lauren is the founder of Adventure Therapy Foundation, She's a wife and mother and likes to refer to herself as a member of the last generation of cancer fighters and the first generation of true survivors. Welcome back, Lauren. Thanks for having me again. Thanks for being here. So last time you were here, we discussed how you were able to turn your diagnosis into your purpose. Today, I want to dig in a little bit deeper and I want to hear more about your story I think it's important for our listeners to get an understanding of the journey and how it's affected your family and how helping others has given you that purpose in life. Sure. Um, when I was diagnosed with stage three breast cancer, I was 35 years old and my children were two, four and six. And um, I found a lump like most women do. And but I was 35, so I was too young for a mammogram. And so um, the diagnosis process took a little longer than it should have. And I went through all things, stage three, radiation, chemo, every possible surgery. Um, and then in the very last surgery, I had a scan. And when they when they did the scan before the surgery, they found that the cancer had already spread throughout all of my bones. And so, um, so at that point, I was instantly transitioned to stage four. I went into surgery and the minute I woke up, I said, give me my chemo pills because I didn't want to waste one minute um, of waiting. I wanted to make sure that cancer was cared for as soon as possible. And so that was my beginning. When I was diagnosed stage four, of course, this is a terminal diagnosis and I'm a young mom. And so it was devastating, absolutely devastating. I could not process it. And I think most people go through this stage and we just can't process it. You have to mourn for just about every aspect of your life. You have to mourn for who you were and what you thought you would be and mourn for the moment of this, this news hitting your life and your family and what it would mean for your family. And, and so I definitely had a long season of mourning, um, and it was about 10 to 12 weeks, I think. And every morning I woke up, every day I woke up and I looked around my life and I said, like, how can I get my life in order in order for me to die and die well? Like, so my husband won't have to care for me and care for my stuff. 
And every day I would, I would just go through this process and, and that's all I could think of. You know, I planned my funeral and I did all the things, um, separated my life into three piles for each girl, you know? And then one day I woke up and I sat on the edge of my bed and I just felt stuck there. And I, and I thought, and the thought that came to my mind is if you spend all your days dying, preparing to die, what were you ever living for? And I just, and I sat there and I just could see this like spiral. And every day I was choosing to spiral downward to a darker space. And that if I did that any longer, the darkness would really overtake me. I wouldn't be able to get out. And so I sat there on the side of my bed until I could envision something other than me dying. (laughs) And and it took a while, you know, I had, I spent so much mental energy putting myself into the place of death that I didn't even know how to envision my life with cancer and living long time. And so, but once I, once I could see a different possibility and fear does this, it creates this tunnel vision where you can really only see one outcome, but I had to really take off the blinders, get out of that tunnel and see a different outcome. And when I did that, I could see myself spiraling upward and outward. And when I did that, I could see that anything was really possible, that there was so much power, so much possibility here in the moment of living with a metastatic disease as a young mom. I just had to take control of that. I had to fix my mind on something else. And that's where it all began. I, um, I had always wanted a nonprofit. I always wanted to have a cause that was, you know, my life's work, but I never really found a voice, you know, my, my one, the thing that captured my heart. And so as soon as I could envision something other than dying, I knew that I had a cause. I had something worth living for. And that's where it all began. That's, that's amazing. Um, it's hard to pull yourself out of darkness, you know, and what you've created now, I mean, it's so powerful. You should be proud, so proud. And I know that your family's so proud of you for, for being able to accomplish this. How old are your girls now? Now they are 13, 10, and 8. Okay. So then they understand more than they did back then when you were first uh, diagnosed. But something that when you were when you were saying that you were 35 and, you know, at that time, you were too young to have a mammogram. That needs, I feel that needs to be changed. I went, I went through something similar in, when I was in my late 20s. And I feel like, too, it's like that not knowing, being in that kind of limbo state of not knowing. At least when you finally know what's going on, you can take the steps forward to try to have some kind of solution or resolution. So I think that that's one of those things that we as women need to focus on to get whoever we need to talk to, to lower that threshold for the age of when mammograms should be given. I just wanted to, to, to bring that up, but I would love to talk about your foundation. Mm-hmm. Inventory Therapy Foundation is my, is my nonprofit. And of course, because I was diagnosed as a young mom and then I, I moved through cancer, the first stage three cancer, you know, we moved through that stage. And during that whole time, no one ever asked me about my children. No doctor ever asked me about my husband or our mental health or how we were doing. No resources were ever provided. And I personally went on a few different like cancer retreats, something just for me to go away and get maybe a mindset shift. 
But what I found is I would go away. I would have a phenomenal weekend and I come back so much more free in my mind. But when I came back, my family was still in the same pattern, right? Because they were also impacted by cancer. And so when I come home and I'd be like, listen, we can, we can think differently. You can do differently. But this, this pattern was already established in our family. And then I also noticed that my children just weren't acting like children. They weren't lighthearted. They weren't just laughing and getting and skipping around like they should have. And I, I thought about them and I thought about how for two or three years of their life. And at that point, that was almost half of their life. Um, cancer and just this, the, the burden of cancer was all that they had experienced in our home culture. And so I realized they, when they think forward in time, they don't have good, happy things to look forward to. They have another surgery, another eight weeks recovery, another chemo, another treatment. These are the rhythms of our life for a few years. And so what we did as a family is we made tiny shift. It was just a tiniest shift. And on Wednesdays, the girls got out half day and we would take them on what we call it a family adventure. And it was just something they'd never done before. It could just be, we all tried a different flavor of ice cream or we, you know, we did anything at all, just something tiny, but we didn't tell them what we were going to do. It's always a surprise. And within just a couple of weeks that, that something good to look forward to became the way they thought. And they all of a sudden had this lightheartedness and they were so excited on Tuesdays because they didn't know what was going to happen on Wednesday. And all they knew is it's going to be something good. And in that tiny, tiny mindset shift, just changed the whole, their whole personality. And they started to be happy little kids again. And I just recognize how significant cancer is in the life of children, how it is in the culture of a family and how nobody is talking about that. You know, there's so many programs for me as a female, young woman, breast cancer survivor, but there's nothing that talked about my whole family, the way cancer was impacting us. And there's very, very few resources around survivorship when you're not in treatment. You know, when you walk out that door and you ring your bell or you get your certificate, the next day you wake up and you're like, what now? And your family is like, what now? Like we did all this stuff yesterday and we had cancer and today we don't like how that doesn't, that doesn't transition very well. And so I really wanted to provide services around um, family units, acknowledging what I call the co-survivors, the people who went through cancer with you, um, and also look into this survivorship piece because the year after treatment is the most difficult. It is so hard because you're left on your own and you have all these pieces that you don't know what to do with them, right? You have all these things. You have a life that's sort of unraveled and been broken and expectations that have been changed and dreams that have been broken, all these pieces and no one's talking about it. And so I really, really wanted to address what I call the emotional side effects of cancer. And they are present from the day you're treated for five to 10 years after treatment, but um, they're, they're the most significant the year after treatment. That's when you're really wrestling with them. Um, and so all of that season, all of that time, it's so important for us to really be honest about how cancer is impacting our relationships, our, our, the way we're living, how much we're willing to dream, how much we're willing to risk, 
you know, our finances, you know, every aspect of our life is so impacted by cancer, but no one's talking about it. You know, we go to the hospitals and they talk about our physical health and how we're living and feeling and how much pain we have. But beyond that, there's so few conversations. And I wanted to remedy that. I really do want to remedy and create um, a space where we can be honest about what it feels like emotionally. We need to articulate the emotional side effects of cancer. And that's what I've been working on. We, we have retreats, community retreats and family retreats where the families can go away together, learn about the emotional side effects of cancer, have really deep conversations, acknowledge what every person has experienced. Um, And then we also have these educational platforms where we can have people talk from their personal experience, but also from their expertise around what's happening in our psychology, in our life, in our emotions, in and through cancer. Your work is so important. Thank um, you. I'm sorry that, you know, I'm, I'm sorry that this is how you had to find your purpose. But I know that in, at the same time, like this was, it was your purpose to find, if that makes any sense. Yeah, I definitely, I definitely agree. It, it felt as soon as the, the idea came, it just clicked inside of me and there's been no turning back. There's nothing I can do or would ever want to do besides just continue to say these things to make sure that anyone going through cancer knows that we are all equally scarred. We're all similarly scarred. And if we can just acknowledge that, if we can come together and see that for as a community, we're going to be, we're going to be so powerful. We're going to be so uh, significant, but we just have to start talking about it. Yeah, so got to keep the conversations going for sure. The retreats that the families get to go on, can you share a little bit more about those? Yeah. So in um, this year, in 2022, um, since it's post-COVID, we've started bringing families together. Because in the past, if you went through treatment, you got to meet other people. You got to talk to them and and sort of build a relationship. But with COVID, um, so many universities and hospitals have kept patients separate from each other for fear of spreading COVID. So even as you went through treatment, you weren't able to find that community. You weren't able to find others. And so this year we're really focusing on community retreats. Um, We're providing them this last weekend, actually, we took seven families away um, and two had children with cancer, two had husbands with cancer, two had women with metastatic disease, and one had lost a wife to metastatic disease. And it was the most beautiful weekend. Um, The children were all of similar age and they were so happy. You know, there was a couple little kids who were bald and, you know, and they were just laughing and running and, and just so, and all the kids could feel, you know, know that cancer is not this taboo, scary, like I'm the only one experiencing it kind of disease. There, there are lots of other happy, playful kids, you know, who are out there. And, um, and when we bring them together, they just get that freedom. And then for the parents to see that their kids aren't the only ones who are carrying this burden, you know, that the other kids are carrying this burden and, um, and that they can still grow up and have these good experiences. I think it's often, we, we are so hurt by the cancer experience that we don't give ourselves permission to um, re-engage in joy or re-engage in like maybe in just the fun of life because we're still mourning, because we're not sure when the mourning should end, um, especially if, you know, spouses don't even know, like, is my, is my 
you know, for me, like my husband would say, is my wife really doing okay? Or am I allowed to have fun yet? Like, I, you know, you just never really know where we are emotionally, but for all the families to come together, to have deep conversations while the children laugh and play. And it was just the most beautiful thing. Um, and this is really what we're trying to create um, a space where we can have conversations um, and we can know that we're we're not the only one dealing with this. But for me, a super important thing is re-emerging people into nature um, where everything is integrated, you know, where we went, the, the fires had gone through from Cal- I live in California. So the fires had gone through their scarred mountains. But then there's also beautiful green flowers and, and things growing everywhere and just how everything is so integrated um, and life goes on. And, and just to see those things, breathe it in, know that this is this is something that we can get through as well. It's just really important. It's such a metaphor the nat- with being in nature and how things change and how you can have some, for lack of another word, disaster and then come through on the other side, newly emerged. Mm-hmm, definitely. Mm-hmm. So those are our community retreats. And we, we're doing those um, right now in California. We have one in Tennessee in the fall. Um, but we do have, uh, during COVID, we bought a retreat home. And so in Tennessee, we serve the entire Southeast. So Georgia, Alabama, Mississippi, Kentucky, and Tennessee, all of this retreat home. And so that home is open. Um, when people apply, they can stay up to a week even and just go away with their families. Everything we offer is completely all expense paid um, because we also wanna acknowledge that cancer is a financial burden on families. Um, So yeah, so we have, those are our programs right now. Oh, they sound amazing. (laughs) And I'm so glad that you're able to help so many families. So another word that kind of stuck in my head that you said was the taboo, that word cancer, you remember how, you know, maybe not even that many years back, people would whisper it as like, like it's a bad word and it's not, it's, it's an illness. Like all the other illnesses, we just need to work through it and we need to talk about it. And the more we talk about it, the more help we can get and more we can help other people. So I'm glad that you said that. Um, Another thing was when you were talking about the grieving and you had mentioned that your husband didn't know how he should feel, you know? So what is the one piece of advice that you would give to husbands who are going through the diagnosis as well with their um, wife's significant other? Yeah, I think um, my husband says it really well, but he says there's a paradox of caregiving, which means you want you you have to work really hard obviously because you're probably now the only one bringing income into your home so there's that responsibility but then you're also picking up the pieces of the home you might now have to take care of the kids and and do all the food and do all the pieces of of the housework because the um in my situation the wife is just completely out of service for a while and yet you also so you have that piece and all of those burdens then you also just want to do anything you can for your wife And you will go to the end of yourself, you know, trying to take care of her yet nothing you can do will take away the pain. And he said, that's the pair. My husband says that's the paradox of caregiving where there's you, you can do everything possible in your strength to do yet. You'll never be able to fix the problem because it's not yours to fix. It's just not possible. 
And that's just something we, we need to acknowledge our caregivers are going through. Um, they are equally burdened um, with the patient. They are, they're equally um, going through this mourning process. Their, their life, their vision for their future is equally broken. They have to redefine themselves as well. Um, and yet so often they're overlooked or, un, or undervalued. Um, and so I just want to acknowledge all the caregivers. Um, and, you know, that, that goes to extended family. It goes further out than just my spouse, but, you know, my spouse most significantly is there carrying all the burden and, and that shape is reshaping them as well. And I think as a survivor, we all recognize at some point that we don't want to be the person we were before cancer. I think we all find some new purpose um, or, or re recenter our values and make that the most important thing. But our, our husbands and our, our spouses, they're needing to do the same thing. Um, and, and we have to allow them to shift while we shift, which is not easy because you've just gone through so much uncertainty and, and trauma. And then you come out of it and things don't go back to normal. They never do. You can't make it go back to normal. Um, you're going to shift and they're going to have to shift and you're going to have to find out how you're going to do that together. But it is an important part of the healing process. I can definitely see that. Um, definitely need to be on the same page and keep that communication going. I mean, communication is the key to like everything, mm-hmm. you know, you can't and keep it all bottled up inside. You as the person that um, has the diagnosis as well as the caregiver, you know, you both have to communicate. So I love the foundation. You did mention before the program rise and that yeah. can be found at the same on the same website. Yeah, so adventuretherapyfoundation.org is available. Um, our educational and um, and story programs, so where we brought in survivors and patients to tell their story, just talk about um, how they got through really difficult times. That can be found at risefound.org. And we just launched that and we're so excited. I honestly think that this is going to change everything, change the way we think about our own experiences um, because we know that, we're not the only one going through it. No, I, and my analogy is if you went in for chemo because you're trying to kill cancer and no one told you there would be side effects to that medication. And the next day you woke up and you were sick and you're weak and all these things, you'd be like, oh my goodness, I have two diseases now. Like how did this new thing all of a sudden come up? But they tell you, they tell you every single possibility of what could go wrong, right? Yet on the emotional side effects of cancer, no one tells you what you can expect and how you're going to feel and how it's going to, how long it's going to take to recover and, and how it's going to imp- impact those around you. No one talks about it. So often we finish our treatments expecting life to be normal. And then we find that we're not normal. We don't want to go back to our old job or we don't want to be the same person we were before. But then we say, well, now I've got a new, I am a problem. Like there's, so you have the regular amount of fear from before, but now we're afraid that we've been more broken than everybody else. Cause everybody else seems happy and done after cancer, but I am still struggling kind of deal, but no, it, you know, the emotional side effects of cancer are very real. They're very consistent. We're all going through this pattern of healing after treatment, but we don't know it. <laughs> you know, we know we're not talking about it. And so that is really what I'm trying to create. I'm trying to create a place where we can articulate what it feels like to recover and heal from cancer on the emotional level. For our listeners, do you want to just 
recap your, t- your, the links again. Definitely. We have uh, adventurefound.org is my, um, my full platform with all the information about the foundation. And from there, you can get to risefound.org, which is our educational platform. Great. And all those links are in our show notes. So easy for everybody to find. So Lauren, I like to ask these three questions for all my guests on the podcast that are around the passion, purpose, and possibilities theme. The first question is, what is something you're passionate about that most people wouldn't know about you? I, well, I don't know if people know this about me or not, but I, I just love going to the woods. And obviously my, my thing, my logo is mountains, um, but sitting by a river in the woods, I grew up in Tennessee and I've almost all my life had a river in my backyard. So to sit in a rock or to rock scramble around in a river is just the most perfect thing I could possibly do. And I just love it more than just anything. (laughs) Sounds very therapeutic. (laughs) Okay. The next one is what is your definition of purpose? Yeah, my definition of purpose, of course, this is your, your key question. So um, I think purpose is when you're living your values fully. Um, because we've all got these deep values and then we have all these responsibilities and we have, you know, we have mortgages and children and all these other things. And we sometimes don't get to fully live out of our values. That's that person inside of us that we've always wanted to be. Um, and I think that that would be my definition when you are living your values fully, that's when you're living out of purpose. I love that. Okay. And the last one is, is there a possibility, a dream or a vision that hasn't come to fruition yet? My, my dream definitely started with the Venture Therapy Foundation. um, And my dream is just that it continues to grow, but I do want to write a book um, and not just not about my story, but about the story of cancer. Um, I want to take all that we've learned, all the stories that I've heard from hundreds of people and families and create one solid picture of what it feels like to have cancer. And I, that is a dream of mine that I hope to accomplish in the next few years, but that is definitely a dream. You should definitely do that. And it's important. It's an important book to share with people. Now you did write a story for a book, correct? Yeah, I've written, I've written for other people's books and I write blogs and um, I enjoy writing. Definitely. Okay. Terrific. Well, Lauren, we've learned a lot. I've learned a lot. And it was such a pleasure to meet you. And you're such an inspiration. I know you're going to help so many people. And so if anybody's out there listening, if you've been affected by cancer or you know someone who's been affected by cancer, um, I encourage you to reach out to Lauren and check out her websites. And again, the links are in the show notes. So thank you, Lauren, for being here and, and helping us with our podcast. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you enjoyed the show, please submit a rating and review and share with a friend. This helps us reach more listeners so we can make a bigger impact. From time to time, we share our reviews live on our episode. Your review could be the next one we share. Please head on over to our website, passionpurposeandpossibilities.co.com 
to receive a free gift I am waiting for you. And if you heard something today that truly inspired you, I would love to hear about it. You can email me at Candice Snyder at Passion, Purpose, and Possibilities.co. Thank you again for listening.